Welcome to week five of our post-church church series. We're deep into this series now, and I wanted to start with a little refresher on our intentions here. This series is both an acknowledgement that people are leaving the church as we have known it in droves, and an affirmation that we get it. The wounds and the traumas run deep. And as clergy observing these realities, I can say that Matthew and Fran and myself offer nothing but blessings for those who have needed to step away from church contexts to find healing and even to find God. And at the same time, we are very much still committed to you, to us, to this sacred space we are creating together. We are still choosing to engage in this space, also known as church, because we believe that there is a version of the church that can still be helpful and healing. And we don't wanna give up following the way of Christ in community. So as a result, over the years, we have worked hard to create a space where people can safely deconstruct the parts of our inherited faith paradigms that are anything from unnecessary to harmful. And as we continue in this ongoing dismantling, it's easy to wonder what is left? What is there to build upon? What is there to believe anymore? What hope do we have moving forward? This series is meant to offer a response to these kinds of questions. And today, alongside the offerings of the past four weeks, I want us to think about what it would look like to consistently move in good health because a healthy community is an essential marker of a post-church church. And I wanna begin by offering us a grounding opportunity to remember. So we look back, we look back to this ancient story of Naomi and Orpah and Ruth. And we look back precisely because this story is a story about looking ahead or rather looking beyond. It's a story about what happens when we let love guide us outside of the boundary lines placed around us by people and communities and systems. And um, if you go and you read the whole book and think about how it connects with the lineage of the Christ, you can even see how it is a story about looking beyond. But when I read about these interactions in the reading that Jordan read, the first 18 verses of chapter one, between Naomi and her daughter-in-laws, Orpha and Ruth, really what I'm, what I'm left with is awe, awe for the love that they have for one another. Their conversations, their grief-filled interactions, their decision-making, their movement, it was all steeped in a love so wild that they are willing to entertain choosing it over security, over stability, over safety and societal expectations. So in the story, as you heard, the men in their life, aka their livelihood in every way, have all died and the women have to figure out how they're gonna live now. 
Orpah ultimately chooses to go back to her family and her land, but I want to point out that she does this with Naomi's insistence and her blessing. Ruth, as we know, decides to stay with Naomi, and both choices were made in collaboration and with careful regard for the other. So their love for each other directed them on how to proceed in light of their realities. And they each had to make their own choices. And it was a love that moved beyond blueprints, beyond limitations and circumstances, and beyond the obvious, so that ultimately there was no one left behind, no one left totally vulnerable or totally alone. Everyone had the care and provision they needed, no martyrs necessary. To me, this is love embodied. And indeed, these women loved one another with their whole heart, their whole soul, their mind, and their strength. And so to me, it's no wonder this story is paired today in the lectionary with the gospel reading we read earlier, where Christ talks about love as the greatest commandment, love of God and love of neighbor on par with love of self, love, love, love. And I'm reminded of this story with my daughter, Cozy, where because of my great love for her, I found myself teasing her one day. See, and you may understand this, sometimes the world stops when I look at her and the full impact of her becoming washes over me. And I can see the truth of it clearly that she is growing at every moment, that she's becoming her own person more and more every single day. And to witness this fills me with excitement and joy, but also a particular grief. And so one day from this deep well rose up and out of me the words, can you please stop growing? <laughs> and Cozy responded lightning quick with words She's heard time and time again, when I implore her to eat her vegetables, she said, mom, I can't help it. Healthy people grow. <laughs> Healthy people grow. And it made me think about us and our work and how really it all boils down to growing in love every single day. This is forward movement. This is spirit practice. Are you growing in love today? Are you, at the very least, inching your way toward love? Well then, well done, good and faithful servant. You are exactly where you ought to be. See, every day, and I'm about to plug our first four sermons here, our attention to the divine, our practice of authenticity, our commitment to sacred community, our dedication to love our enemies, and move in good health every day, these realities offer us the chance to grow in love. And every moment we have an opportunity to expand because of this love and to fill up those expanses with more love. This is our work and there is no work more important, none than this work of love. And so I wanna make a suggestion based on all of this and it is that we develop a love hermeneutic as our lens for moving into good health. A hermeneutic is a filter for how we go about interpreting scripture. And I'm saying that we can take this same concept of hermeneutic and apply it to how we view the world, how we see society, how we navigate our relationships and move in community. And we can do this because the idea is the same 
in any circumstance that amidst the paradox, any upheaval, any gray spaces, there's one thing that's just always clear, love. Love is certain, love is of the utmost importance, love is our priority. And what better example of this kind of love than of the story of Naomi and Orpah and Ruth, a chosen family, not blood related, but bonded together by choice. And we are bonded together by choice as well. We don't have to be here, but we are. We don't have to keep showing up, but we do anyway. And the best part is we get to create our dynamic together. We're not burdened by inherited prescriptions weighing us down. We're not bound by tradition or the need to compare ourselves to other churches. We're creating our own reality as a sacred community. And I'm saying, may we create from a place of deep concern for our wellness and may our measure of success always be our love. And we begin with our own selves, our inner landscape. When we apply this love hermeneutic, um, instead of the all too common sinfulness hermeneutic or conditional goodness hermeneutic, we can easily access the power of our Imago Dei with the love hermeneutic. And we can embody the truth that we were created in God's image and the spirit of God is in us. And this will do wonders for another necessary marker of health, which is the reclaiming of our intuition. In past contexts, it may have been necessary for you to go to sleep to your instinct. It may have been required for you to disregard yourself or quell your nature. But enough with that nonsense. In the post-church church, we can trust ourselves. Because in the post-church church, our work is not telling each other what or how to believe or how to see God, but it is pointing out the belovedness that is already ours and then equipping and supporting one another as we live into this belovedness in our everyday lives. As we seek to move in this good health on our journeys and as a community, our entire spiritual posture will shift and improve. This is an inner posture a way of being in the world, a way of navigating our realities and our circumstances. And a healthy, mature posture is one that has moved away from the always defensive and the ever reactive and instead moves in groundedness and peace. Consistently keeping this kind of a healthy posture, even with every new cycle, even with every natural disaster or societal disappointment or personal chaos, this is the mark of a healthy spiritual sojourner. And it's hard as hell to do this. Like it takes regular spiritual practice and we, we may never quite arrive, but there really is no other way for our contribution to the collective to be sustainable. And so we begin to understand why prioritizing our good health is so important. It's not just important, it's urgent. So again, this is hard. And again, it takes regular spiritual practice, which is also hard and requires our discipline and our consistency. But luckily, applying the love hermeneutic here will enable us to access things like compassion for ourselves and others, which helps us to continue to do this work that a healthy face faith posture asks of us. And bonus, this healthy posture will transform our understanding of prayer too. And prayer is fuel for the journey. And here's what a love hermeneutic does with prayer. Instead of feeling guilty about not being drawn to prayer, 
at all or anymore. We finally realize that we're simply evolving and growing. And as we expand, so does our understanding of prayer. And so we move away from a simple checklist of of requests and into a genuine concern with consistent divine encounter, whatever it may look like, which is all prayer really is. And guess what? With your concern for wellness and your love hermeneutic in tow, you get to decide on what prayer that divine connection looks like in your life. So you don't have to compare yourself to people or you don't have to be told you're doing it wrong. You get to decide what prayer looks like in your life. This is a healthy relationship with prayer. What's more, a love hermeneutic will also help us develop a healthy relationship with the Bible. Here, we don't need the Bible to be God anymore, and we don't necessarily need to throw it out. We're simply needing a new approach with how we come to it. This approach should be with responsibility, with humility, with openness and thoughtfulness, coming to scripture, knowing without a doubt that love is the most important thing, just like Jesus says in today's reading, by the way, coming to scripture in this way, every time we read it, no matter what we're reading, knowing love is most important. This is a marker of a good, of good health. And if we're going to seek this healthy relationship with the Bible, then we'll need to embrace all sorts of other markers of good health as well, such as non-dualism, the ability to see beyond the binary. We'll need to become comfortable sitting in the paradox and sifting through the nuance, even though it's the harder way. We'll need to loop mystery into our faith journeys, which requires a level of surrender because there's no way to do any of this without becoming a person who is practiced at holding things lightly, but to quote my own self, tight grips leave no room for abundance, but open hands are a divine invitation. So we hold everything lightly on this journey. Everything but love. And finally, but not finally at all, because I could go on and on and on. I want to mention that a community who moves in good health is always going to be trauma-informed. The post-church church is not interested in a toxic positivity kind of wellness, but a wellness that makes space for the healing that needs to take place. This means at any given time, we seek to understand the role that trauma has played in each of our lives, including societally and historically. This is just a part of our faith work. Our love hermeneutic compels us to make room for how this knowledge affects everything from our image of God to how we experience church to the particular ways we need to experience healing. We cannot be embodied whole people or communities without tending to the ongoing realities of our traumas. My friends, there is so much more, (laughs) like how moving in good health means retiring harmful productivity mindsets, the ones that tell us to overdo till we're overdone and cause us to spiral into shame when we don't, or like how a healthy community is committed to collective self-awareness and necessary self-scrutiny, even as we dole out that compassion like it's going out of style, or like how moving in good health means moving beyond the unimaginative realities of hierarchy, like Naomi, Orpah, and Ruth, we can dream beyond what we thought was possible and how we collaborate and how we make our choices. 
this is, I could go on and on. This is a non-exhaustive list, by the way. So please add your markers of good health to the comments, because the truth is each of these items could stand alone and is worthy of its own deep reflection. But the point here is that we emphasize a concern for good health as an individual, as a collective body, as a post-church church, and we are filtering our understanding of it through the lens of this love hermeneutic. Why? Because we understand that we were made in God's image. We understand that spirit dwells within us. We understand we've got our temples to tend to. And if we're going to love God and love others and love self with our whole selves, as the text says, with our heart, mind, soul, and strength, then we better be healthy and strong and up for the task to do it. This to me is why sacred community is essential for us because this tending to our healing, this making our bones strong, this thriving in good health, it's, it's just not sustainable alone. We are each other's medicine. We are each other's vegetables. We need each other to do this healing work, to stay healthy, to be people who grow. When we try and go it alone and we inevitably feel depleted, we lose hope. But when we go it together and we inevitably feel depleted, we offer each other a lived reminder. It is the lived reminder that love doesn't run out. No matter who or what we lose, love doesn't run out. No matter what we read in the news, love doesn't run out. No matter what our theology is, or if it's right, or if it's wrong, love doesn't run out. And our capacity to love does not run out. For me, this is proof enough of divine presence that there is this most powerful resource and it literally never runs out. Truly living like we believe this and applying this belief to everything within us and around us, this is what it means to move in good health. So may we reject every boundary line that has prevented us from loving. May we break open any barrier that has limited us from the fullness of God among us and within us, and may our commitment to wellness via our radical love hermeneutic guide us beyond what we even thought was possible for ourselves and for our community. This is what it means to continue in that lineage of the Christ. This is what it means to create heaven on earth. May it be so. Amen.